few weeks ago, parishioners at Holy Rosary Church in Portugal Cove St. Philip's, Newfoundland, attended their final Mass after a 107-year history. Needless to say, it was an occasion that saddened and also angered a lot of parishioners. The reason is the ongoing restructuring of the Archdiocese, resulting from a Newfoundland Court of Appeals ruling that the Archdiocese is liable for the abuses committed at the Mount Cashel Orphanage in St. John's, operated by the Christian Brothers in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. This means that the Archdiocese is having to sell some 40 properties to cover the settlement that could cost them up to $50 million. About a dozen properties are churches, and in many cases, the parishioners themselves have rallied to raise the funds necessary to keep their parishes. That has not been the case with all of them. At the top of the list is the Basilica of St. John the Baptist, which has been bought by a group of prominent Catholics. It's a sad outcome to a much more tragic story that took place inside the walls of the Mount Cashel Orphanage. Let's keep our brothers and sisters in Newfoundland in our prayers as they are forced to literally pay for the sins of some members of the church. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and sitting here with me is Billy Chan. Billy, welcome back. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you, thank you. I am just very happy to see you. Every time I, when I see you, he's just like, oh, an old friend. You just bring joy to everyone you come across. Billy, did you have a good Halloween? Are you? Did you dress up? Did you do the Halloween thing or no? No, I did not dress up this no. year. No, the the reason is this. The reason is this. I I think I'm going to dress up as a less handsome building, but as it a, just doesn't work. Oh, because it's just you're just so handsome. It's just so hard. I get it. That's good. Um, uh, Billy, today Jermaine uh, is going to be back. He's uh, going to be telling us about some books. Now, I actually have no idea what books he's going to talk about, so it's always it's going to be a surprise. But he usually talks about two books. And he's been usually doing one children's book. So I I think that's the one that everybody gets excited about, the children's book or the young adult book, um, and then some older book. So uh, Jermaine will be back in about five minutes after our song to tell us about uh, books. His segment is called Book Ends. So that's coming up uh, soon. And then, Billy, you have a question for Church for Dummies. Yes, I have a question for. It's actually a very interesting question. It's about how do we see God uh, from the Old Testament? Okay, let me tell you more now. Okay, from the Old Testament. Okay, how do we see God? Okay, good. That's that's good. I like scripture questions. So 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 that's good. So God, the God of the Old Testament, with Billy Chan in about fifteen minutes or so, and then okay. So we were just talking about Halloween, Billy, and I want to yes. know so. Uh, how do you feel about werewolves? Oh, I did not watch it yet. There is a new werewolf. Oh, there's a movie? I wasn't talking about the movie, but like there's a movie about werewolves? No, no it's, it's actually a series. I think it's a movie or series. I forgot. It's in the, you okay. know, one of the streaming. It's in, on the one of the streaming uh, uh, okay. Know, those, okay. Uh, so, apps. so this is this is completely not where I I thought you were going to go. <laughs> so, so you know how Franciscans, Franciscans, yeah. they love animals. 
You know, St. Francis, yes. and they do they, the animal blessing. They can talk to animals. Well, can they talk to werewolves? So here's the question wow. that we're going to be addressing in our second half hour. We're going to be talking to author Eleanor Borg Nicholson. You might remember because she wrote a novel a few years ago, and she was on this show to talk about vampires. Oh, yeah, I remember. Do you remember? Totally. Do you remember? So yes. she wrote a novel called Bloody Habit in 2018, and uh, there's a Dominican priest, and, and it's about vampires. So um, Eleanor has written another novel. It's called Brother Wolf, and it's about Franciscans and werewolves. Oh, my um, goodness. So I think that's all I'm going to say because she's going to have to help us bring it all together. How, how does this all come together? Um, so if you're interested in finding out how Franciscans and well, werewolves uh, come together, uh, come back or don't come back. Just stay, stay and listen to the yeah, whole show. Yes, yes. It's yes, just yes, amazing. Yeah, don't leave I, I always want to relate those things together with our faith. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> in about uh, 25 minutes, in our second half hour, we'll be talking with author Eleanor Borg Nicholson about uh, her novel, Brother Wolf, Brother Wolves. And then um, we're going to meet another new singer, songwriting, married couple. Um, wow, Megan, Megan. I, yeah, yeah. I, well, they're actually recently, re I think that they probably got married last year. I'm going to have to double check. But Megan and Blake Flynn are uh, a married couple singing and songwriting duo from Michigan and Oklahoma. And uh, I recently found out uh, we had, I don't know if you listened to the show two weeks ago, Will Hickel, uh, who has a record label, uh, uh -huh. uh, Novum Records, was uh, Will's great because he's uh, connecting me with all these new singer-songwriters. And so he's connecting me with Flynn. Uh, Megan and Blake, they go by mm -hmm. Flynn, which is their last name and they're doing some great new music. And so we're going to get to meet them and listen to their songs throughout the show. We're going to talk to them at the end of the program. So it's I hope always good to know that couple can do music together, you know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. And that's a question that I always ask them yeah. um, when we have met. There's quite a few married couples that do music together. And uh, I guess you have to like each other really, really a lot in order to be able to work together. <laughs> Right, Billy, exactly. like you, like you and your wife. <laughs> we 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 tried. <laughs> you tried to use it together, and it didn't yes. work. <laughs> it didn't work. Anyway, so we're going to be speaking to Megan and Blake Flynn at the end of the program. And uh, remember, if you can't uh, stick around and listen to the whole show, you can always just go and connect online and uh, go to our website, slmedia.org. You can podcast the show from there. You can also listen to this program wherever you get your podcast. Just look for the Salt and Light, uh, the Salt and Light Hour Catholic podcast. Um, so, Billy, let's start with a song. Okay. Here's Flynn with their single, I Guess This Is Goodbye.
showed you love, I showed you everything I wonder where our hearts got off beat Now we're moving at two different speeds Two different speeds I guess this is goodbye I couldn't read between the lines Can't even look me in the eyes You just keep telling me your lies Yeah, so I guess this is goodbye And now you with somebody else And I don't know whatever happened Don't remember the way that you felt I can tell by the way that you're acting I know you've been moving on I thought that this would last forever And now you're gone That was Flynn with their single, I Guess This Is Goodbye. And Flynn are Megan and Blake Flynn. And we're going to be speaking with them in about 40 minutes. So I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for Book Ends with Jermaine Bagnell. Jermaine, uh, welcome back to the program. I see you've been reading. As always, and it is always good to be here. To yes. share a few good ones. Yes, and I don't know if you heard, but I was talking to Billy at the top of the show, and we're very excited because you always do a children's book. I hate to say, I, this is this is going to be like, people are, not that I'm dissing all your adult books, because those are great too, but we always get excited about the children's books. Well, it, it's so important, and honestly, that's where the love of reading gets planted. So right, I think it's, true. and it's a great way for parents and aunts and uncles and stuff to to spend time with the little ones very around, true. you know, a good book. Yeah, very true. Okay, so are we going to start with the young book or the old book? You know what? Since we're already on the topic, let's start with the young book. All right. <laughs> so this one is called I'm a Saint in the Making by Lisa M. Hendy. It's oh, yeah. illustrated by Katie Broussard, and it's published by Paraclet Press in 2020. And they actually have a toddler edition in 2022. What's a toddler edition, you ask? Yeah. A book with much harder pages. That's actually it. <laughs> that can be a book, a book that can be chewed. Um, exactly. exactly. Okay, that's good. Um, um, good. So Lisa Handy, she's been on this program. Um, uh, so so that's a saint. Oh, that's... I'm a saint in the making. Okay, tell us I'm about a it. Saint in the making. Uh, so this book takes the notion that we're all called to be saints and breaks it down uh, for children. So throughout the book, it emphasizes that saints were just like you and i they're not these superheroes wearing capes leaping buildings in a single bound or fighting some sort of space invaders because you know that's what kids always think of, of, of yeah. heroes these days instead it really emphasizes that they're all ordinary 
ordinary people called to live out extraordinarily extraordinary lives and that they all answer the call God had for them. And something that I really like is that Lisa emphasized that the superpowers of the saints are things that children and their parents, whoever's reading the book with them, can in fact cultivate within themselves to live out. So mm -hmm. the idea of courage, peacemaking, hope, faith, and love. And she also noted that each saint was a role model and a prayer champion, and that these two things are readily uh, available to each of us. So, you know, that idea of a role model, uh, it's, what was it, what's that idea of uh, do, uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux said of doing a, little things with great love? Yes. So it's like the, these sort of traits being uh, cultivated with, mm -hmm. within kids. And, and that's the big thing, I think, is making sure it's attainable for them, you know? Um, and something that I really like about the illustration is on almost every page, it could be in the background or the foreground, there is a different saint featured. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's really nice. So it becomes a great little conversation piece where kids keep like, oh, who's that? Oh, who's that? So it, it, it's really cool. And it's really nice to show the breadth of saints, different backgrounds, different countries, different reasons why they're canonized. And mm -hmm. something that's really nice for whoever the readers are, it's um, showing at the end where they give tips and uh, tips for parents and teachers and such. So it's like things like researching different saints in order to teach children the virtues that they were showing that they can mm -hmm. live out. Maybe even making a patron saint for your household or your classroom and just finding unique ways to, to serve people around them. So it's, it's a great book, beautifully illustrated. And, and I think it's, it's kind of one of those pieces where kids can kind of get something new each time they go through the book. Because, well, if anybody here has read uh, to children, you know that you'll be reading that book again. Yeah, exactly. And again and, exactly. again. and again. No, that's great. So this is very exciting. Um, the, the illustrations are beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. So kindergarten, like you mentioned the toddler edition, but I guess so this is for like five, six, even maybe yeah. seven-year-olds. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll definitely say that. And, yeah. you know, as they get older, they could read up on the lives of saints in a lot of different Yeah, books, exactly. And there really are lots of others. Okay, good. So I'm a, I'm a Saint in the Making by Lisa Hendy. And then what's the adult book you have for us? The, the adult book is called Deep Work, Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World by Cal Newport, published in 2016 by Grand Central Publishing. Okay. So this one is more of a productivity, lifestyle hack, as the title indicates, you know, we live in a really distracting, distractible world. Mm -hmm. And because of it, we're not able to engage with, with the deep work of trying to solve complex problems because, you know, we're always answering emails or we're uh, being busy or, or, or whatnot. And it really prevents us from engaging with our, with our work. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, people may have an eight-hour workday, but because they're doing small tasks, they're not working the full eight hours. They could be working four, three, or two hours because they're they're so distracted with other things. Mm -hmm. So this book is all about finding an, an approach that will work for you to be more intentional with your time. So one of them is like the monastic approach. So people who like move to a cabin in the woods to okay. write a book, you know, um, or if there's downtime, using that for like meditation or... Um, something like that so he goes into much more depth into the book uh but you you know you kind of get the idea so yeah. the reason i chose 
book, it's something that we can apply to our faith. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we all go to mass Sundays, but then what after that? Yeah. That like that becomes the bare minimum. That becomes our shallow work. And the deep work that can come from there, it's like maybe you become more intentional and once a week or once a month you go to a Eucharistic adoration or on a daily you commit to um, the doing the rosary okay. or uh, Alexio Divina or, or something of those, those nature. Uh, instead of being quick to pull up your phone when you're bored for a second, maybe take time to pray for your neighbor, pray for a loved one or something like that. So, huh. okay. It, I, yeah, I get, I get yeah. it. Cause I, I was going to ask you and again, and I, and, and I like that you do this, that, that you're picking books that are not specifically Catholic books. So this is not a Catholic book, but you're mm-hmm. saying that whatever the author Cal Newport says about deep staying focused in a, in your work can be applied to faith. So instead of deep work, it can be deep faith uh, yeah, in a distracted world. I like that. Um, so thank you, Jermaine. So this is Deep Work Rules for Focus Success in a Distracted World by Cal Newport, published by Grand Central Publishing. Um, uh, useful book, sounds like it, and, and a book that can be easily applied to our faith. Um, and I like that he, uh, he uses the monastic uh, example there to help people help him focus on their work. Um, exactly. Something that Catholics can definitely relate to. Maybe they have a patron faint. Patron saint uh, that they like that uh, was uh, a monk. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that relates back to your first book, I'm a Satan in the Making by Lisa Hendy, uh, which uh, I think you mentioned it, but it's published by Paraclete Press. So thank you, Jermaine. Two great book suggestions. As always, uh, looking forward to some more reading uh, next time we speak with you. Always have them on the go, and I look forward to sharing them. Jermaine Bagnell is our book contributor. He's also the producer of the Salt and Light production, Working in Faith. You can watch that at slmedia.org and you can follow him at Jermaine Bagnell. Coming up, Billy has a question about God of the Old Testament in Church for Dummies, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Kate Kern and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available at slmedia.org and wherever you get your podcasts, subscribe, and the show will be delivered right to your device. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has a question about, you said, God in the Old Testament. Yes, I really like when you do, you know, when we do the, when we did the intro, uh, you yes. use a deep voice to talk about you know to to perform as god you know i really like it because of that is how the impression of everyone thought about god in the old testament yeah now my question is this you know uh it's all about genesis uh in this question genesis chapter 7 is talking about noah uh, and uh, god tried to flood the world and tried to clean the whole world uh, Mm -hmm. using water Right. Yes. And uh, I will say that I, I think that flooding killed a lot of people. That's what I I, 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 I would think about. But I, I don't know if you, that that's in, in, in the Bible. Well, yeah, yeah. The Bible says that it, it actually destroyed everything except Noah. Yeah. Yes. OK. Secondly, in Genesis 18, 
uh, chapter 18, um, 16 to 23, talking about uh, Abraham tried to beg God to 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 not to destroy the world. So not the to, not to destroy his, Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. What, so yeah, so okay. Yeah. Okay. Sodom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, in, 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 through these two stories, we can find that God really want us to be good, really want us to have absolutely no sin. However, we can also see that God at some points hated us. Uh, God uh, does not, it, it sounds like God does not love us anymore, if, you know, because of we sin, because of you know where where is the the yeah. forgiveness? Where is the forgiveness? Yeah, yes, and yes. Also, sounds like the love from God is conditional. Yes, and that's blow my mind. Yes, no, yeah. and and those are very good questions, and people have been asking that question for a long time, and uh, 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 so I have two two things to say about that. The first okay. one is when so we get a full picture of God when you mm -hmm. read scriptures as a whole if you mm -hmm. only read little bits throughout and okay. that's a problem that a lot of that a lot of people encounter so if you read you, you're not going to get a full picture and of course everything that we get about god in scripture is uh is not exact because there's no we cannot describe god so you're always going to describe an aspect of god and it's almost like you get two different you're right two different gods there's the god mm -hmm. you know the god that walks in the garden with adam and eve and then there's the god that's very distant that's very it's almost like there are two traditions like there's oh, and i think okay. that that's one thing to keep in mind that the people of the old testament had a very particular view of of god and uh -huh. a very particular view of how the world works it, because they didn't have science then you know sort of the natural work so they would so if billy if billy was if billy gets really angry and he's being difficult and stubborn people in the old testament would have said well god made billy's heart hard oh, right yeah, because everything yeah. you know if billy was sick oh god made you sick right so mm -hmm. that's why and 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 the old testament is written by those people with that understanding. So that's one thing to keep in mind, but also you have to keep in mind that you're getting different sides of God, depending on what the story is. The second thing I want to say is that it's that the word story is important because the old Testament mm. is not a history book and, and, and history, not the way we do history nowadays. So, okay. so did the world get flooded? And everybody, maybe, but maybe not, because that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is not to say that this is a factual thing that happened, that the world was destroyed. The point of the story is that that God destroyed. So God hates not the people, but evil. God hates mm. sin, and we need to destroy sin, or we need to separate sin. So, so did God destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Uh, maybe, but maybe not. And that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that there is sin and that sin has to be destroyed and we need to separate ourselves from sin. So that's that's how we need to read the Old Testament. And actually, I thought of a third thing that I'm going to tell you. So that when we read scripture, I, scripture, I think that, so there are, you, you need to keep three things in mind. So we read scripture as kind of like factual, like did, did, did this happen? And there's something okay. about, about that that might be true. The second one is, but this is symbolic. So what is this story telling me about God, about me, about sin, about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. 
And then the third, third thing that you have to remember is what is this story, even if it's in the Old Testament, what does this story tell us about Christ, the Christ that's going to come? So, and I don't have the answer right now, but you can look like if we look at the story of Noah and the ark as baptism, for example, that Jesus is baptized, he goes into the water and then it's new birth, rebirth, resurrection. So there's a Christological meaning to that. So, so there are, there are different ways that we can read the stories in the Old Testament that are not factual and historical, that give us a, an impression of a wrong impression of what God or who God is. So basically, the, uh, there's no uh, way, uh, I would say, the, unless you, you read it deeply or unless you know the truth, there's no way we know if uh, the Genesis is actually happening because no, sometimes no. Some, something is true, sometimes yeah, something some is things, symbolic. Exactly. Some things are true, some things are analogies, some things are symbolic, something is poetry, some things are, are metaphors. I mean, we know that Adam and Eve, it's, is that an analogy? Did, was there a mm -hmm. man named Adam and a woman named Eve? Probably not. I mean, the word Adam means uh, dirt. The word Eve means, you know, mother of, of, of all being. So, so they're symbolic. And the follow-up question will be, the, how come Jesus is not symbolic then? Well, I think like, that you know, it is. You mm -hmm. can read the New Testament in the same way. Did Jesus really multiply two loaves and two, mm -hmm. two fishes and five loaves? Maybe, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is that Jesus feeds us and that Jesus takes what we have to offer and he multiplies it. So, so did he really walk on water? Yes, and we can believe that he did, but that's not what matters. Whether it's so, so, so the stories in the Bible are not necessarily factual. They're, 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 they are theology. They're there to, it's not history, it's theology. It's there to teach us something, and there's always a deeper meaning, and that's probably what's more important. And if you look at the whole book as a whole, you really get a clear picture that God is a God of love, God is a God of mercy, and justice, but justice and mercy are kind of the same thing. And, and so you don't get a sense that God is an angry God that hates us, that wants to destroy us because we're not doing what he wants us to do. That's so not the, the picture whole... you get. The whole usage of the Bible is basically to understand God, to know yeah, yeah, who it is. God is. It's exactly. not about you know how 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 this really happened, but is how, how this is how we related to God. A, 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 exactly, it's all about relationship. It's it's the, they say that the Bible is God's, the story of God's love for us. It's it's just, it's a relationship. And that's what it's about. It's not about whether something happened or didn't happen. You know, the people like uh, us who are dummies, who always try to use our logic to understand yes, the but... whole Bible. You understand that, right? Yeah, no, you can't. That's why I really like this. The name of this show is... Dummies. <laughs> dummies. Yes, let's not be dummies. Let's read the Bible with... It. The Bible is theology. It's prayer and it's relationship. It's not history. Thank you for reminding us again. We need to remind us every time when we read Bible. Yes, and that's good to, to share with others when they have tough questions like that. That's a good question, Billy, and maybe we can talk about scripture more. Uh, as I know, I know people will be asking you lots of scripture questions. Anyway, Billy Chan, thank you. Good to see you, Billy. And uh, Billy's always asking good questions. You can send him questions and follow him at Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, Franciscans and werewolves. 
and we meet Megan and Blake Flynn, so don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. You may remember that about three years ago, we spoke about a novel about a Dominican priest and vampires. That novel was called A Bloody Habit. The author of that novel, Eleanor Borg Nicholson, now has another one, and this one is about Franciscans and werewolves. In this one, Dominican father Thomas Edmund Gilroy returns and joins a cast of characters, a stern nun, a young postulant, an English nobleman, and a young and charming neo-pagan heroine as they battle the forces of darkness and search for a Franciscan werewolf. Don't you want to know more? Well, here to tell us all about her new novel, Brother Wolf, I am now joined by Eleanor Borg Nicholson. Eleanor, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be back. So you could tell that I, I did a little summary there, which really was not a good summary at all. No, it was excellent. You were getting so many of the critical pieces. But so, I'm no, so, so, okay, good. Because for me, the, all the characters are very, like, for me, that was a huge part of the novel. Um, but there's so many different levels and elements and things going on. So I wanted to start by asking you, what is this novel about? Well, it's funny because I agree. I feel as if whenever I talk about the novel, I end up speaking about it from one of, say, three vantage points. There is the hunt for the Franciscan werewolf. So in this mythology I've constructed, the Franciscans help rehabilitate werewolves from their lycanthropic tendencies. But we have a relapsed werewolf. And the, there's a quest to regain him, largely led by his sister. So that's one element the the actual redemption we hope of this werewolf mm -hmm. but when she when his sister is embarked on this she's not the narrator in fact she was my first narrator and she drove me nuts so she was fired um she encounters my actual narrator who is the daughter of uh, an atheist scholar mm -hmm. who has dedicated his life to demythologizing the world d disenchant disenchantment of the world so he threw off his early attachment to the catholic church and he's raised this daughter whom he's named athena mm -hmm. and she's so desperate for enchantment and meaning in the world that as opposed to my narrator from my previous book who was an agnostic she's just so excited by all right. of these things that she encounters so you have sort of the athena side of things but if you have, so you've got the werewolves and you've got Athena's pursuit of meaning and knowledge mm. for something beyond the natural world. You also have, I think, a very critical theme of the occult of um, fathers and the ways that fathers connections with the occult can then injure and danger or even curse their children. Right. So I usually end up talking about one of those three threads, um, depending on what the readers, what really resonated with the reader. Okay, so let me ask you about the, the werewolf part of it, because I mean, obviously, that's the title of, of the book, Brother Wolf. Um, 
where did you how do you come up with this 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 little world that you've created where franciscans are reforming werewolves i mean how did you even come up with that well this that's that particular side i mean i joked when i finished a book about vampires i said well werewolves are next and it's got to be called brother wolf right and of course there's the old legend of saint francis and And saint francis and brother wolf so i thought oh this is just full of meaning but it actually came concretely from a conversation with my husband. I had finished A Bloody Habit. It was at the printer. And I turned to my husband and held forth on how really a vampire victim was like an addict. So think of an addict as someone who has a radical predisposition to a certain weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's different from my weakness, for instance, but my weakness as a fallen human being is also a radical predisposition towards some sort of weakness. Well, mm-hmm. vampire victims, I said, they're just like addicts, which means they're just like all of fallen humanity. Well, my husband's a philosopher. He sort of nodded and listened. And two days later, he came back and he said, no, werewolves are like addicts. And then he starts this analysis of addiction and of lycanthropy. And I just sat there with my jaw on the floor saying, well, where were you while I was writing this other book? Anyway, so that helped me formulate the idea. And with my with study of the Franciscans, even to think about, well, they're in the Franciscan tradition, there's an emphasis on the will and handing your will over to God. So saying, well, then the Franciscans, if they were rehabilitating werewolves, they would be focusing on the will and harnessing the mm. will and disciplining the will. And how would that play out? Yeah. Um, so that's where all my Franciscans came from. Um, and I have a range of them sort of sprinkled through the novel. Yes, you do. No, and it's an interesting idea that, I mean, if we believe that, we can be rehabilitated that everyone can that everyone can be redeemed then why not these quote-unquote monsters if they were real maybe they are um that that's an interesting idea and that's exactly where the church would be and maybe the franciscans would be at the forefront of course right definitely and i think too it speaks to the idea that in our sinfulness It's interior, but it's also exterior. So the vamp, I'm sorry, not the vampire, the werewolf can be acted upon by the influence of the moon and folklore tradition says it could be a predisposition to drugs. It could be dabbling in the occult. All those things can be part of it. But when you encounter divinity, according to the ancients, you'd be exploded, you'd be destroyed. Well, we Mm -hmm. as Christians yearn to encounter God and to be radically made new. So that's also a redemption of the metamorphosis narrative that you see as far back as ancient mythology. So um, that wasn't that was a major contributor as well. My brother teased me and said, you spent you know, over a decade just obsessing about vampires and finally wrote your novel. But how long have you obsessed about werewolves? And I said, <laughs> I've obsessed about werewolves since I read my first book of myths at about the age of seven. Oh so there you go. Metamorphosis is very a fascinating topic especially when it's christianized yeah no and that that i think is 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 fascinating would you say then and this is not a cop-out on my part because i think that all novels in a way are about you know about fighting the real forces of good and evil but is that kind of what what you're getting at i mean it's a good story and there's lots going on and it's about you know father daughter relationships and all that as well but is it really at its at its crux about fighting the real forces of good and evil, whether they're outside of us or inside of us. 
Absolutely. And I think that all good novels, even if it's on a very small scale, are recapitulating the sacred narrative. So the, mm-hmm. the fallen man and his desire for redemption. I mean, you see that in everything from a Dickens novel to Dostoevsky to Shakespeare to P.G. Woodhouse to yep. Agatha Christie. Yes. So good novels have that kernel, the yearning of man to be united with God. Um, and in a Gothic novel, you can get away with talking about that outright because we're talking about life and death salvation and damnation you can't you can't do that in a sort of domestic comedy that will just come off as cloying and right. proselytizing but here definitely the we care about souls i care about the souls of my characters um yeah. uh, and you as a reader i hope people are relating to them and yearning for them to be saved because if there isn't a question of salvation, it's going to be sort of a boring story. The stakes won't be really high if it's not. Mm. We want you redeemed, but you could go the other way. Well, and that's that I was going to say that. Thank you, because that for me was one of the, if I can say more frustrating parts, because I thought ah, he's not going to get redeemed or what, you know, like, 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 oh, right. And, and I'm not going to give away the ending. But uh, but but I think that that's what made it real for me that it could go either way it's funny you say that because i have a my cousin's husband was reading the book and he wrote to me and said oh my goodness i love this character and i had that horrifying moment as an author thinking well that particular character i know what's going to happen to that particular character oh no yeah well then when he finished the book i said can you forgive me he said oh no it made sense. Yeah. And then you gave me this other character to be attached to, to recover from yeah. my, you know, dismay and horror. He said, but it, it, it has to be coherent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this one, I also felt someone teased me after a bloody habit and said, you don't have the guts to kill a character. So this one, I thought, mm. well, do I have the guts to kill characters? I think I might. Well, I and you, you, you also brought brought in these new characters that I wonder if they're going to pop out as a cast together again in maybe the next novel. That would be really fun, although they haven't shown up yet in uh, the manuscript so, that I'm working on so far. Okay. Although I don't know if you remember last time we spoke, you said, well, when are you going to get to the Jesuits? And I might be working with the Jesuits right now. I forgot I asked you that. Okay, good. So we've done the Dominican. We have a Dominican. We got the Franciscans and Jesuits. Okay, very good. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, good. I'm glad that you're working on the next one so we can get you back on the show. Eleanor, it's so good to uh, to see you, to, to speak with you, and thank you for writing the book. Brother Wolf, um, thank you, Eleanor, for telling us all about it today. Thank you so much for having me back. Eleanor Borg Nicholson is the author of The Letters of Magdalene Montague and A Bloody Habit. Her latest is Brother Wolf, published by Chrism Press. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Flynn, with their single, Eleven.
pushed away all my friends Isn't that how it goes? Yeah, that's just how it goes That was Flynn with their single, Eleven. Flynn are Megan and Blake Flynn. They were married last year in 2021, but they now have over 100,000 streams on Spotify. And as you have been hearing, their melodies are catchy and their lyrics are down to earth, creating a super unique indie pop blend. But actually, I'm not entirely sure that that's how I would classify their music. I'm not really sure exactly where I would put it except that it's good. And to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Megan and Blake Flynn. Guys, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And and congratulations on the marriage. It's coming to a year? Yes. yes. Yep, we got married last December, so coming up on a year. Congratulations, but you guys have been together for a long time, or you've been friends for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. we met back in 2017 okay. and then started dating in 2018, and now here we are. Okay. Wow. COVID. Yeah. <laughs> the, co- the COVID romance. Okay. And we can talk a little bit about that um, if you want, but I, I always like to ask uh, our guests kind of to go back to, to where, where they came from. So maybe, maybe Blake with you, where, where did you grow up and what was growing up like? Yeah. So I grew up in a small town in Michigan. Okay. Um, yeah. All of my family lives within like a 10 minute radius of each other. Nice. I have a lot of aunts, uncles, cousins, and uh, so 
it was a lot of fun. We have a close knit family, and nice. uh, everyone's Catholic. Yeah, we okay, all, that was all, good. That was going to be yeah. my next question. So everyone's Catholic. Yeah. Everyone's okay. Catholic. We we all went to the same like small little church in the middle of a cornfield, nice. and uh, yeah, it it was awesome just to be surrounded with so much family. Okay, cool. And m- music was it a musical family? Um, not no, not necessarily. No, okay. I picked up the guitar at around age 10 and I was I'm on the older side of all my cousins yeah um and now some of them do a little music here and there but I was kind of the first and uh yeah I picked up the guitar in high school I learned piano okay and I started kind of messing around with uh music production during during high school right and uh that's kind of how we got here and and were you like like in the church choir or the church band growing up um i was not no okay so it no. wasn't like like your faith and your music did not kind of intersect no yet. not really no yeah <laughs> like, you're like no you? it, yeah it still doesn't um yeah. and 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 you megan where where did you grow up and what was growing up like for you yeah so i'm actually from oklahoma okay and yeah i grew up um with really just my mom taking me and my two sisters um, to church every weekend. And my dad converted when I was 13, which wow. was awesome. And mm-hmm. yeah, we, it's really just like us, one of my aunts and my grandparents that are Catholic. Um, but music was always huge for me. Um, yeah. as a little kid, I was just always the one singing around the house or singing in the shower. I had to have music on in the car. And I think my family would get a little annoyed. I was going to say <laughs> you were that annoying kid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. yeah, I just was in a lot of choirs growing up, a lot of yeah. different music things and opportunities, never really in the church. Um, but I liked like singing at church. Um, okay. And my grandma was in the choir. So that okay. was a big thing. <laughs> but yeah. And then I once... I always wanted to do music, but I didn't really have the capability of doing it on my own. I played guitar starting when I was like 13, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, once I met Blake, it really became a reality of something that I could actually do. And right. so, okay. yeah, my dad actually, the first time he met Blake, stopped him after church. We saw him later and was like, you need to keep making music with Megan because she won't do it if it's not with you. And it oh, was wow. it was a sweet moment, but yeah. Okay, so then, like your mu- like like literally, your musical career kind of began when you guys met each other. Yeah, yeah. So we did, um, yeah, we did some mission work okay. uh, right after high school, and that's where we both met. Uh, that's where we, we both met. met. Yep. Um, and it's called Net Ministries. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. So we ended up meeting there, and during the first like two, during the first week, I think mm-hmm. Megan decided to sign us up for a talent show okay good good, so, good which I didn't, happy. I didn't know about so that's kind of where our music started that's yeah. where it began that's great and and okay so and i guess you were already in the kind of the missionary mode because you both joined net yeah yep so when you joined net were you even thinking that music might be part of so you can you didn't do music for net like you weren't part of the worship team or anything like that i was when we first met i was one of the musicians okay um so i was leading very comfortably leading praise and worship um okay either every day or every other day because i had a co-musician on my team 
But um, so that was something I was really comfortable with. And then the next year, Blake was he did two years of mission work and I only did one. Okay. So we met on his first year. And so his second year, he was also a musician there. So when did you both start writing songs or is that something that maybe you were doing already? Yeah, that was I mean, within the first two weeks of meeting each other. Oh, yeah. um, we we started writing a song and that was our first song that we put out under the name Megan Blake. Okay. Um so we had that band and then we've switched over to Flynn now. But yeah. yeah. That first song was called Maybe and it did okay. it did well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we continued. So you guys continue to co-write. So you're both writing. It's not like Megan writes all the music or the lyrics and you write the music, you know, like is she yeah. like your Paul McCartney to your John Lennon or what? <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah, we both we both co-write. Yeah. Okay. And how does how does that go? Is that good for the marriage or not good for the marriage? <laughs> <laughs> I think really good. We yeah. thankfully are just really good at working together. Um, yeah. and you know we know each other so well now that we kind of can look at each other and know what the other needs. And usually, it's that I'm getting overwhelmed and Blake's looking at me and he's like, "We can take a break." Nice. <laughs> um, good. but yeah, it's I think. Typically, we work with like the music by itself first and then write over it. Okay. Like write and, lyrics over it. And Blake, because you said you're into music production, do you are you also thinking about how like the song's going to be produced or is that something you let someone else do? Yeah, correct. I usually will have the song pretty much built out um, yeah. and then we'll write to it. Um, and then, you know, the demo is done. Um, there, mm -hmm. I mean, there have been other times where we've like have a super basic just piano, you know, uh, piano chords going and then we we end up writing a song and I can kind of produce around that. But right. generally speaking, it's usually yeah. I have the song kind of built out. Yeah, it's a pretty unique sound that you guys have and, and, and hard to pinpoint because I find that like we've heard two songs already and they're completely like different. Um, and the one yes. that we're going to end the show with is also like just kind of like a different. So so I, I love that. And I know that you guys are working on, a, on an album that you're crowdfunding. Tell us about the crowdfunding. Uh, how's that going? Yeah, um, it has been going. It's been going well. We are super excited about the different um, donation levels like that people can uh, give, but they, they can also receive something with that. We're mm -hmm. making um hoodies and we have stickers and hats and vinyls um wow. so we have a lot um of stuff that you can get back from your donation so people will do it so it's the same as any crowdfunding except you're doing it directly people will do it directly with you at your website Correctly. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> and yes they will do it correctly if they do it correctly <laughs> do it correctly yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so um and are a lot, a lot of those songs already written or like how are you are you thinking about this new album is it already recorded like when's it coming down yeah so we actually have all 12 recorded okay. and nice. yep they were fully written we recorded back in early september and um yeah we will start releasing them in what early-ish next year yeah um but we're waiting for things to get mixed and mastered and we have to finalize okay. some extra stuff on them too okay so make sure you let us know over here so we can play some of your songs make sure that we play them before anybody else okay yes, uh, great. Thank you. and and uh, we can get our listeners excited about your music it's i really like your sound it's it's really good stuff and i think it's going to touch a lot of hearts 
Um, are you good, are you doing the whole thing where you're releasing singles, or are you actually going to wait? You are doing the single thing. Okay, well, we're doing the singles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you got like three new singles, we'll get you back on the show. And and uh, great. <laughs> um, so I'll, we'll let people know where they can where, where they can contribute to that campaign at the end of the program. And uh, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. Congratulations on your coming up first year of marriage. And uh, and on this album that's coming down the pipes, uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so Thanks much. Thanks for having us. You can learn more about Flynn. That's Megan and Blake Flynn. You can listen to their music and book them for your event at their website, FlynnMusic.co, and it's Flynn F L Y double N, FlynnMusic.co. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. If you missed any part of the interview, you can go over to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. All our programs are archived there. And here now to take us out is Flynn with their single, Kinda Crazy. I'm kinda crazy about my love for you. You got me thinking about my every move. What if I said no regrets? Would you still think I'm in over my head? I think I can promise I'm into the end. I'm running in place while I think I'm ahead. I'm afraid you got me, Cupid shot me through the left rib. I believe in love for now, don't tell me you're a skeptic. But what if I say, would it blow up in my face? Would you say I need more space? I've been spending too much time without you. And what if you say, would you start to feel the same way? Slim, but I still take them. I've got anxiety you wouldn't believe. My biggest fear you'll break my heart and then you'll leave me. What if I said no regrets? Would you still think I'm in over my head? I think I can promise I'm into the end. I'm running in place while I think I'm ahead. I'm afraid you got me, Cupid shot me through the left rib. I believe in love for now. Don't tell me you're a skeptic. We're listening to Flynn with their single, Kinda Crazy. And that will take us to the end of our program. Remember that you can find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. But if you prefer, you can listen to all our shows at eslmedia.org slash podcast. If you do the social media thing, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can also email me, pedro at eslmedia.org. I respond to every single email or message I receive. Thank you for being with us. Remember to continue to pray for peace. Peace in Ukraine, peace in Nicaragua and Iran, and so many places where there is conflict. Pray for each other and take care of each other. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Tell me you're a skeptic. But what if I say, would it blow up in my face? Would you say me more space? I've been spending too much time without you. And what if you say, would you start to feel the same way? We can do another time, different place. Spending too much time without you And what if you say Would you 
Start to feel the same way We can do another time, different place I've been spending too much time without you